Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. This week, Professor Miranda Rose talks about evidence-based aphasia therapy across the continuum of care. Let's have a listen. Hello, this is Charmaine Briffer from the Victorian branch of the CPD Committee and I have the pleasure of interviewing Professor Miranda Rose who recently presented a workshop for Speech Pathology Australia on evidence-based aphasia therapy across the continuum of care. Professor Miranda Rose is the Director of the NHMRC-funded Centre for Research Excellence in Aphasia Recovery and Rehabilitation. Her research focuses on investigating the efficacy of treatment for post-stroke aphasia. We have the privilege of interviewing Miranda for 10 minutes to obtain her insights about this area of clinical research. So Miranda, a lot of recent research has focused on the question of intensity in aphasia therapy. Based on this research, what do we know so far about how intensity influences outcomes in aphasia therapy? Okay, so let's start talking about this question first of all by just clarifying what we mean by intensity. And the easiest way to start with that is to think about dose first of all. So when people are talking about a dose of therapy, they're talking usually about the number of overall treatment hours that someone might get, like 30 hours of treatment. And so when we use uh, that as the benchmark, intensity is the number of hours that we get of that dose per week. So you might have a 30-hour dose and it could be a low intensity, like two hours per week for 15 weeks, or it could be a high intensity, so 10 hours per week for three weeks. It's a pretty rough way of thinking about dose and intensity. There are some more refined concepts that people are trying to explore at the moment, things like the number of teaching episodes that might happen in a session or how many target attempts that people are making. So we just need to be aware um, of these kinds of uh, concepts when we're talking about the question you're asking, Charmaine. Mm. Um, And the other thing really important for people to think about is the time post-stroke that we're talking about for the the intense intervention. So whether it's acute, like in the first week after stroke, early subacute in the first three months, late subacute in the first you know, three to six months, or chronic, because the way in which the intensive uh, schedule interacts with the phase of recovery is likely to be very important. So if we go back to the question of what do we know about it, you know, it's mm. a complex story and difficult to get into a short amount of time on a podcast. Uh, And the the big sort of signals that we have come out of the Cochrane Collaboration meta-analysis that was done in 2016, and many listeners would have read that and know that that in that uh, work there were eight studies that compared intensity directly, and from there we saw a trend for better outcomes uh, in terms of aphasia severity and functional communication after a higher intensive therapy. The problem with that finding was, though, that it was a small effect size. The quality of the evidence in that uh, finding is low and very small numbers of people in those studies. Mm. And interestingly, there were higher dropouts from uh, the intensive uh, therapies that were done at the acute phase. So it's a kind of mixed result, I suppose. And then since then, since that Cochrane collaboration work, there's been a couple of randomised controlled trials that have added to the story. In the acute phase, the RATS3 trial from the Netherlands and in Australia, the VERSE trial. And both of those studies have come out showing 
uh, really overall no difference in the in the acute in, sorry in the intense and less intense versions uh, of of the therapies that were given. So a kind of um, mixed result. One of the little signals in the RATS3 trial, though, was that when they analysed per protocol, that is, the people that actually got the intense dose that was meant to happen, there was a significant difference, just not for the whole group. So this really talks to the fact that we need to uh, be better at looking at the participant variables that are interacting with this question about intensity. And then finally, in the chronic phase, the big trial from Germany in 2017 from Brichtenstein and colleagues they showed that, a, that an intense dose of 30 hours of direct therapy and 15 hours of self-practice was really efficacious with a moderate effect size for the people with chronic aphasia. Mm. Uh, and then Stahl just finished a trial recently where they looked at comparing 12 hours of therapy for two weeks versus six hours of therapy for four weeks, so 24 hours each. And there was no difference in those intense, in, the, in those arms for the intense or the less intense so, look, in summary, you know, the, the question's hard to answer, but we, we kind of have suggestions that intensive doses of aphasia therapy might be beneficial, in, and particularly in the chronic phase. But we really need to now focus on who, who really gets the benefit and whether those benefits are long-lasting after the intense dose and what's the best therapy schedule in the late subacute phase, that's the three to six months, because we've done so little so far in that phase of, uh, of recovery. Mm, thanks for that. Um, and there are also a number of different aphasia therapies and approaches. Um, is there strong evidence for any one particular approach or therapy? So, again, really hard to answer this quickly, but I'll just highlight three that I think there um, is quite a lot of evidence for. The first is semantic feature analysis, which most therapists in Australia would have been exposed to and the most recent systematic reviews from Boyle in 2010 and Owen in 2016 have shown strong effects on treated items in semantic feature analysis mm. and some improvements on untreated. And then a really lovely study that just came out this year by uh, Kike et al. in the American Journal of Speech-Language Pathology uh, meta-analyzed across 35 participants and showed really strong results on treated items and untreated items, although at a lesser rate and really got into the questions of dose and, um, and predictors of recovery there. So, for example, severity having a big impact, people with mild aphasia doing better and so on. So I really do um, refer people to that work. Um, the other is constraint and multimodal therapies. So there's quite a lot of evidence for the constraint uh, therapies. Um, and if we look at recent... Um, meta-analyses of that, the Cochrane Review and Zhang, we've seen moderate effect, moderate effect sizes from, from uh, constraint therapy, but interestingly not more so than any, they're not more superior than any other language or multimodal therapies. Uh, and so now we're trying to work through, well, who are the best candidates for constraint as opposed to multimodal treatments, and what's the best therapy schedule? And the COMPARE randomised control trial that we're running here at La Trobe of 216 people with chronic aphasia is investigating those questions exactly. And finally, the other one that's got a lot, other approach that's got a lot of evidence is communication partner training. So people might have been familiar with um, Simmons-Mackey's review mm -hmm. from 2016, which made very strong statements about communication partner training, you know, needing to be conducted to improve partner skill in facilitating communication of people with chronic aphasia in particular. Lots of work still to do in the acute phase there. Yes. 
Um, and you've already sort of identified some research priorities in, in your answers, like around, you know, um, identifying who are the best candidates for constraint versus multimodal therapy, um, who benefits from what type of intensity schedule, how does chronicity um, interact with this. But what do you see as the most pressing research priorities in the area of aphasia? Well, it's, it's interesting that you ask because obviously with our new uh, Centre of Research Excellence, we had to argue with the MHMRC about what these are. And we came up with four major topics which underpin the four programs of research we're doing in the aphasia CRE. So the first is predictors of recovery. So mm -hmm. using patient demographics, social, biomedical factors, bioimaging data to predict uh, recovery in relation to various therapy options. The second is improving the, the basic evidence base for, for our uh, impairment-focused impairment interventions and getting to that personalised evidence-based treatment prescription. Mm. The third is harnessing technology. So, you know, how can we harness technology to improve healthcare communication and to improve therapy effectiveness, reach out through tele-rehab and smartphone apps? And the fourth is optimising mental health and wellbeing. So how do we adapt psychological interventions for people with aphasia and how do we develop long-term community programs that maximise participation and well-being for these people living living long-term with, with you know chronic communication disability? So I'm being quite broad in that mm, answer, Charmaine, yes. but they are they are the four main areas. Yes, yeah. And are there is there any one area where the centre will be focusing on first? No, these are happening all at once. Oh, so, fantastic. <laughs> so we have, we have identified about, um, I think it's close to 30-odd separate projects now across those four programs of research. Um, and, you know, over the next five years, we will be rolling out results from, from those projects. Well, thank you very much for this, Miranda. Um, it's been a very informative discussion and I hope we'll have the privilege of you presenting for us again at Speech Pathology Australia soon. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.